We are so far behind. It's not even funny. Worried about your salvation and stuff. <laughs> Why have you not been baptized? <laughs> I just never got around to it. All right. <laughs> Daniel, how are you? I'm alive. Is this live? You made, did you make it through the hurricane? Yeah, yeah. That was it, it was, was scary, wasn't it? Yeah, the house uh, was torn from its foundations. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. So um, I'm camping now for the rest of my life. Okay. Well, hey, you know, at least you have this podcast to, you know, with all the funds <laughs> coming in to support you. That's all I need. Yeah, all you need is income is from this podcast. Uh, hey, if you haven't, you um, keen listening listeners will have uh, noticed that we have a special guest. Really? Uh, yeah, really, really. <laughs> the winner of our podcast contest. The only entrant, but also the winner, yeah. like, which, you know, yeah. goes to show that you miss 100% of the shots mm. you don't take. Mamie, welcome. <laughs> hey, Mamie thanks. Rubottom. It's great to be here. You know, <laughs> you know, I can just say, like, can I just be open and honest with yeah. you? I always get your name wrong. Like constantly. I know. Like, you know that because I got it wrong 30 seconds ago and we had to edit it out. You know, so. it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But you're here. Yeah. Welcome. You won the contest. You're, yeah, you're in for the building. Um, we flew you out to the podcastle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five star accommodations. <laughs> um, I mean, we got you your own chair and your own microphone. Yeah. So, Which is more than I can say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Daniel doesn't have a chair. So, I mean,. <laughs> Shows you shows you the the hierarchy of the podcastle. Yeah, thanks. So, how do you like the podcastle? Uh, it's nice. I like all the books. You know. Yeah, I mean, I like it. It's my office. So yeah. <laughs> also, and podcastle. I feel um, like if I didn't like it, I probably wouldn't say that. That's probably a good that's probably <laughs> so. a good call. Um, <laughs> you know, before we get started, we have a lot to talk about today. You know, because we've been off the air for a mm-hmm. while. Get some thoughts. Some yeah, things yeah, we need yeah. to share with the people. We got to give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we do that. I think we do need to analyze that song, Daniel, for a copyright infringement. You're my legal um, advisor. Do we need yes. to analyze that song? Yes, I did read the Wikipedia article on copyright law. So okay, perfect. <laughs> we so are. we're covered. Um, and they said we're good, right? Uh, they said we should analyze that song. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, that song was uh, crazy, sung by the C- Mr. CeeLo Green. Um, and I do wonder if that song has to do with his wardrobe. Huh. You know, if you guys have seen him on The Voice, wear some, some questionable attire. To okay. say the least. Yeah. And so I wonder if that song was really about fashion choices. Hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting thought, AJ. Or is it the, about the direction of his career? Um, I like to think that it's actually a commentary on society at large. Um, Go on. Yeah. So I was Skyping with CeeLo the other night. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he actually gave me this little nugget of wisdom. He said... Dropping a little knowledge bomb. <laughs> yeah. He said that society will always drive you crazy no matter what you do. So... 
There it is. That sounds way too deep to be CeeLo, oh. but... No, that's what he told me on Skype, I swear. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> well. Yeah, well, I think that song is... Uh, I love that song. It's crazy. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we call a pun. Well played. <laughs> no, I really actually... I do really love that song. I don't know. There's every now and then just a moment strikes me where I'm like, I got to listen to that song. And I yeah. listen to it about three or four times in a row. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, that can go back in the back in the closet for a year. <laughs> back in the deep, deep places of my iTunes library. There you go. Deep, dark places. <laughs> um, yeah. So consider it analyzed. Check. Boom. We are not getting sued today. Yes. Um, for by the way, <laughs> I also just wanted to point out, I did get a, a little something for myself for the pod. I'm just going to. Yeah. We're just going <laughs> to awkwardly watch you. Ah, it's a little, some, little some, coffee. Some corporate coffee. Some corporate coffee. That <laughs> Daniel, do you know what I'm drinking? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Tell me what you're drinking. Uh, whoever wants to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they make a great cup of joe. Let me tell you, a great cup of joe. And I don't think I'd be able to do this podcast at the level that I'm doing it without their coffee. Yeah. Which could either be a product endorsement or not as much, depending on how you feel about yeah. my performance on this podcast. So it's a lot of pressure. There you go. Well, I am uh, not drinking anything today. Which um, is wise. Which is very wise. I did have my cup of coffee this morning that was made oh, who, by who made one that? of our three sponsors. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, I made it in my kitchen. <laughs> so. Sponsored by Daniel's Kitchen. <laughs> Whenever you want below average food, it's Daniel's Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Mimi, we didn't get you a coffee or anything. Are you okay? You good? Should we pause the I podcast? I already drank my coffee. Oh, where did you get your coffee from? Uh, my kitchen. Oh, your kitchen. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Oh, is that a new sponsor? Uh, <laughs> so also yes. sponsored by... Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. We had a long sponsorship bit to get through, but also sponsored by Mammy's Kitchen, yeah. which is uh, sponsoring the podcast. There so you there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, we do actually have a lot to uh, to cover today, so we don't want to get stuck. But Mimi actually had a really great topic that she wanted to talk about, and uh, we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, so I thought, why not have her on? Also because she won the podcast contest, so uh, we were That's legally obligated reason. to have yeah, her on. Yeah, that's the only reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think you actually had a good topic, so, you know, that was good because it would have been awkward if you didn't have any good topics yeah. and we had to have you on to just talk about just sit there while, CeeLo Green. while we talk. <laughs> And create more B-roll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, B-roll is an important part of podcasting. Yeah. Um, but I think we wanted to talk about, like, worship in the church. Like, talk mm -hmm. about, you know, worship. And specifically, I think we're talking about worship music, um, mm -hmm. kind of more specifically. Yeah. So, like, you have a better grasp on this question than, than I do. So why don't you, can you frame it up for us a little bit? Yeah, so I wanted to discuss the regulative principle of worship. What uh, is that? <laughs> Man. That's a big word. Basically, what does the Bible command us about uh, worship and how our congregation should worship? And How also, long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's exegete uh, the whole Bible. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah. Yeah. But specifically, um, oh, included in that, uh, how important is tradition in our okay. worship services and how does that play into it? Yeah. And included in the regulative principle is exclusive psalm singing mm. and... I was kind of wondering your thoughts about that. Yeah, yeah. I actually have some um, weird experiences with an application of the regulative principle gone kind of weird. Oh, um, go on. So the regulative principle, like Mamie was saying, is just a fancy way of saying if it ain't in the Bible, we ain't doing it. People will take that to 
a degree that I think makes no sense. Um, so I've had some church experiences where people will not use instrumental worship or not have a kitchen in the church because there's no mention of that in the Bible. Wait, I'm sorry. Go back just a second. I've heard of the non-instrumental worship yeah, before, yeah, yeah. but I've never heard of someone saying, we're not going to have a kitchen. Yeah, that's a thing. What? Yeah. I mean, I know it's not related to worship, but I, I think it's a good illustration of um, I do have to, I just regulative have to, principle kind of gone a little further than I'm, I think it should. I'm going to just take a sidestep to this point for just a second. Yeah, dude. Weren't the original churches house churches? I mean... Isn't it then a safe bet to assume that there might have been kitchens in those churches? I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm not arguing with you. You're like, this is a weird Listen, experience I've had. If there's but... a kitchen in your church, then there's a there's a high chance that you're heterodox. Yeah. So. Yeah. Look out. Sorry. Anyway, uh, back to worship. I've just never heard of that before. Uh, my mind was literally blown. Like every time you think, oh, I've heard it all. Nope. No. Never mind. No, Can't no, have no, a kitchen no, no. to the church. <laughs> okay. But so, um, you know, so you said, but you've seen non-instrumental worship. Yeah, and, and it's seen... it's pretty. Chill. But I think I think it, it it gets to a weird point where you start making the case that maybe your salvation is contingent upon not using instruments in the church, and that's where that's where I'm like, let's draw a line somewhere, mm. and it's like 13 steps back. Yeah, it's like 13 <laughs> steps ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so my pushback on this is always a little with especially like Psalms only stuff is no one does the Psalms in Hebrew, mm -hmm. and so no matter what, there's like translation. And here's so I guess the question that I, when I was thinking about this was. Was the real question that people are asking is how much translation is okay? Like how much can you translate the Christian faith without losing it? Like so you're saying not just language wise, but like tradition wise. And yeah, like I mean, because translate the faith into the like, 21st century. Well, yeah. So like, I mean, the question with instruments is a good one. Like, can we sing the Psalms, but like, can we do it like with an upbeat rock kind of style or like jazzy or, you know, yeah. can we do it with a mm -hmm. kind of uh, American gospel rhythms or like, or can we do, do we have to do it without instruments? Which I would also say, I don't actually think was the biblical model. I think there was like in the Psalms, it says something about instruments, but that's, I'm sidestepping my larger point. My, my big point is just like, I think what the question that people are asking when they are doing that mm -hmm. is a question of like, how much translation is too much? How much can we make the Christian faith translate to our current culture and current time period mm -hmm. without losing it? Yeah. So, you know, can we have non-traditional worship spaces, you know, or do we need to have sort of more traditional styles? Can we get away from liturgy and mm -hmm. do it different ways? Like how much of that translation is okay before we actually are no longer really Christian anymore? Yeah, I kind of, I want to get Mamie's thoughts on this because she brought it up and I assume that means that you have thoughts on like churches that will only do psalms or continuing off what uh, ag just said about um tradition like that's something i've been thinking about is when we talk about tradition like whose tradition are we talking about are mm. we talking about the original israelites or hebrews or jews yeah. uh worshiping this factors into cultural differences as well mm -hmm. so yeah. technically if <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yet, no, I get what you're saying. It's uh, the, to me, it's just well. Here's I'll I'll go again at I think because the unfortunately the Psalms only people are very easy to like make fun of. I feel for them. Like I understand what they're trying to do. Like which is they're trying to say like the Bible gives us songs to sing and we should sing those. My only um, reservation about that is like we know from New Testament scholarship that like there's hymns that Paul quotes. Yeah. To like Jesus's divinity, mm -hmm. and so we know that like the early church was singing these hymns, and so I just don't. I'm 
not sure they really have a leg to stand on. Like, no offense to my our friends out there who might be from that tradition. Like, I'm not saying that it can't be good. I'm not saying it's not a good thing. I'm mm-hmm. just saying to say it's the only thing, I don't think you really have yeah, a leg I there. I think there's definitely a difference between, like, exclusivity and preference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because what we can get from the New Testament, and this is going to be a weird thing, so I need to parse out this statement, but what we understand from the New Testament is that the Christian faith has always been promiscuous. And I don't mean that it has sex with a bunch of people. I mean that it adapts to different Oh, glad you cleared that up. <laughs> I was really worried that, like, <laughs> yeah. the sexual faith... Be- <laughs> the no, sexual faith. No, no. Uh, um, never mind. Carry on. I'm so, just going to quit. <laughs> so what I mean by that is if you look at someone who is Jewish, right? And that that's a little bit trickier because Judaism is a religion and a culture. But if you look at someone who's Jewish in America versus someone who's Jewish in whatever, Russia, there's going to be a lot more similarities culturally than someone who's Christian in Alabama versus someone who's Christian in Kenya. Yeah. So I think like where I go on this is 99% of the time, whenever I hear someone arguing about worship, 99% is I hear someone who has preferences and then finds reasons to argue those preferences. Mm. Mm -hmm. I very rarely very rarely find someone who started with no preference and then kind of just found their place from the scriptures. Like I very rarely find the person. And the reason I kind of think that's true, not to like crap on people, is I'm not sure the scriptures are super clear on it. I think what you see in the scriptures is there's certain guidelines as far as um, the order of worship, the way it's supposed to be conducted, how things are supposed to be done in order, and it's kind of the basic structure of churches. But I think like very intentionally so, like the New Testament gives us a lot of breathing room because we're supposed to go into all the nations. We're supposed to go out into all the mm-hmm. world. And so what, you know, like like you said, what it's going to look like to reach out to someone in Alabama versus reaching out to someone in Africa is going to be very different. Yeah. And, you know, to try to just say like, oh, this is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Be all end all no matter what. I'm always a little skeptical of big sweeping statements that say no matter what the context, no matter what the yeah. situation, this is always the way we have to do it. Because I yeah. just I, I just don't get that. I don't think that makes, so I don't think that's scriptural. Maybe the, the natural question that we have here then is um, you kind of alluded it alluded to it earlier AJ is how much can we evolve while still being Christian that's the one and then the other one is as it pertains to worship what should be the through line in our worship which I, I think one is the uh, elaboration of the other but but what should be the the, the plumb line I guess yeah. like sort of the, the rally point yeah, Worsh- like why our... worship yeah I think that's the better question because I think like once you really get into it it's it ends up being a matter of preference but we do have to say like like, there are certain things that, like, would make you not a church. Like, if you just sang songs about, like, that didn't have anything to do with Jesus, like, you kind of cease being a church, like a Christian church. You end up just being sort of a, a nihilistic... Just a collection of people. Yeah, a collection of people, a collection of seekers. So, I mean, there is certain things that kind of keep us within the faith. And so, I mean, I've been I've been a member of uh, relatively charismatic churches that basically sing all the top 40, you know, the Hillsong, the Bethels of the world, all that stuff. And then I've also been a part of, like, churches that have been much more traditional like the church i'm a part of now is pretty traditional like it's very high liturgy what do you mean by traditional um meaning like i mean mean the literal meaning of traditional like we sing a lot of like um psalms we're very steeped in the tradition of like the reformed church not traditional in the sense of like 
when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, we sang these songs, but traditional in the sense of like, my pastor really takes the time to look through like the history of liturgy and confessions and stuff like that mm-hmm. and builds his service around like the way the Reformed Church has done it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something there that I've coming from a kind of unstructured three songs message closing song. Yeah. It's so much more intentional than the typical church. At least, for example, my church is very kind of what you said, like three songs, sermon, two songs, ending, prayer, and not much thought is put into the structure and the um, why we do things. Yeah, I think that's the major difference because what I've noticed is not that like people that do the three songs message and then song have a real reason for why they're doing it. It tends to be that that's just the way, that's what we do. Like Mm -hmm. we do three songs, we do the message and then we close. Like, and then we have announcements in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like that tends to be just the way it gets done. And so I find that that's, really normally what it is. It's just kind of normalcy bias. Like, well, Mm -hmm. I saw this church, they do it. This church does it. Everybody's doing it that way. That's what church Mm -hmm. does. It just doesn't really enter in. And so what I really appreciate about like my pastor who, who does it is he really puts thought into it. Like, what am I teaching you through things other than the sermon? So we have a time where you confess your sins and then ask for forgiveness. And then he gives you the assurance of pardon says, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the Lord Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost and he's died for your sins. And so you're, you're forgiven. And he says, like, I was doing the new members class and he's like, I don't have to teach my kids how to repent. I don't teach them about grace because they do it every day because we have time built into our, and he does this kind of for his regular family worship, family worship. Mm-hmm. But he says, you know, I have it built in. So I'm not teaching them just with the words, but we teach them so they know, oh, we confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us. Even if they don't know that verse, they know it through what they do every day. And I was like, I like the real intentionality of mm-hmm. that. So I guess that's where we look back to is, is how intentional, how thoughtful are you being about this? Because as much as I think your pastor puts a lot of thought into why y'all do kind of a high liturgical structure of worship. About as high as you can get in Presbyterian world. Um, I think high liturgy churches can also kind of fall into the, we're just doing this because we've all, always done this. Yeah, exactly. And that's the that's the train of thought that says, if you're not doing it the way 16th century white guys did it, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another trap that we can fall into. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's less about having a formula rather than having a reason why you have a formula or don't have a formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, agree with that. I think that goes into, I mean, a lot of a lot of people in kind of our little reformed camp of Christianity are averse to modern worship music, maybe sometimes unjustifiably, I think, because... <laughs> Only sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's, there's just like this caricature that we paint of people who are kind of on the other end of the spectrum, kind of on the more charismatic camp or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah that we think that oh if Bethel came out came out with this song then it's it must just be like nothing like the lyrics must just be like same verse over and over and a bunch of like ooze and fire and stuff throughout the whole song where sometimes I think we can find a lot of rich theology in modern worship but also contextually which is what we were talking about earlier maybe we're at a point where we don't need the uber theologically rich hymns to teach people about doctrine Mm -hmm. because one of the reasons why hymns have been historically so theologically rich is because people can read and that was a way for them to learn theology maybe now we're at a point where because ideally people can be a little bit more educated then it's okay to have some songs that let us just experience god as opposed to solely have to learn about God. Yeah, I find, like, normally it's just a bit of snobbery um, mm-hmm. about, like, certain songs. And I will say, like, this is another quote from my pastor, so I'm totally ripping off him right now. But he says, like, and I think this is true, like, there is a reason that we sing certain hymns, and it's the reason that they've stuck around so long, is, like, there are certain 
hymns that like we sing that just like are gold. Yeah. Like they're really good. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do think that a lot of times with modern music, people have a bit of a snobbery with it. And oh well, it's not as you know, not as theological and deep. First of all, like I bet I'm sure there was someone when the Wesleys wrote their hymns that was like, "What are they doing?" Like <laughs> this is garbage. Well, because actually Charles Wesley, like, and I think this is right. Someone is going to slap me down via Twitter eventually, but like I. I'm pretty confident that like Charles Wesley wrote a lot of hymns to bar tunes. Like he used the tune so that way people would know the beats of the songs. Mm-hmm. And therefore, like if they came to church or came to the revival or whatever, they would already be able to hear the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I promise you, I can promise you if church people in the 17 and 1800s are anything like church people now, there was someone <laughs> somewhere who was writing a tract about how terrible it was and how the downfall of Western civilization yeah. and mm. how we were losing something. And my, also my favorite um, hymn to point to people when they're like, oh, the lyrics are so um, loose for those new songs. Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Mm. I like that song. It's a, it's a good song, but let's just slow down with like it being super deep. It says leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. It's good theology, but it's not like a super deep dive. It's yeah. not like, yeah. whoa, mind blown. It's just mm-hmm. a good theology. Like the song, Good, Good Father. We don't need to sing it for 18 minutes straight, but like... <laughs> maybe 17 and a half. Maybe 17 and a half. That's where I draw the line of 17 and a half. But Good, Good Father does say something. Is like, maybe there are people out there who have not, who think of God as distant and angry. And this song is coming along to say, no, you're a good father. It's who you are. Mm-hmm. And then... It talks about who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes what it is is because there's not these and thous in it, it doesn't sound deep, yeah. but it actually is a lot deeper than you think. It's who you are. It's who you are. You're a good, good father. And then I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Like at the fundamental core of who I am, I'm a human being who is loved by you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like if you take time to think about that, it is a very powerful declaration. Mm-hmm. I think what happens though is so many people go, oh, when was that written? If it doesn't have an 18 or 17 in front of it, like I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't have a one in front of it, we do use some uh, oh, 1900s. Yeah. That's true. If it doesn't have yeah. a one, definitely. Yeah. But the question is, should we be singing these in corporate worship? I think so. I think my my radically um, moderate point on this is just <laughs> have a good reason. Yeah. Like, don't pick it because it's a top 40, mm-hmm. but have a good reason and be able to explain, like, what is this teaching the people? Like, why are we singing it? Mm-hmm. Is it just because it sounds nice? Like, if that's why you're doing it, don't do that. Mm-hmm. But that being said, like, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I mean, like, like Jesus says, if anyone wants to come into the kingdom, they have to come like a child. And I always think the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, the most childish little song ever. Mm. But like, if you know that, if you know that, and then you die, you are in, that's enough to get into heaven. Like, if you trust in that and believe that like, Jesus loves me, and that's what I'm trusting in, and that's mm. where I'm finding my salvation, then that's enough. And so maybe like, I agree, and I'm, I'm going to seminary, so I'm all about deep dive theology. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm all about like, like taking deep dives on things that no one else really cares about. But no, we care. Yeah. Well, Daniel, we know. you care. That's why. <laughs> that's but it's also why we have 19 listeners. So, <laughs> uh, thanks, Mamie. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you you still have to listen to this podcast too. You like oh, you can't just because it. you were on it get out. But yeah, I think my radically um, moderate point is just like have a good reason, think it through, but don't ever be married to a system that yeah. says this is the way it gets done. Because you try to bring that into different cultures, and they're just going to look at you like. Crazy. But here's another question. Uh, someone who holds to the exclusive Psalms position might say, well, the Psalms are in the Bible. They are inspired. And those are the best songs. So why would we not sing the best songs? 
That's a good one. I guess my question then would be like, why do we read other books? Like following that line of logic. But we wouldn't read other books in corporate worship. Well, yeah, but your pastor might quote like, I mean, I guess like if your pastor. How many pastors quote C.S. Lewis? Yeah. Like, a lot. Like, so, I mean, like. In the PCA from, world, probably all of them. Yeah. So from that, from that line of thinking, basically what you would have to do is like, I would just start going down and being like, anything that's not in the scriptures at all, like, oh, so-and-so had a birthday. Hey, guys, it's not in the Bible for us to say that so-and-so had a birthday. Like, yeah, we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. And that may sound like really angry and grumpy but at the same time like I feel like that's the position that you're trying to hold is like oh or it's you have this space where it's only the Bible in just songs and then like you'll go elsewhere so like I don't know any pastor who's gonna get ready to preach who doesn't look at a commentary or two Mm -hmm. but from that same line of thinking it would be like well why are you looking at other commentaries like because it does in the Bible all we need also I think go ahead and correct me Daniel I think following that line of thinking I think there is merit to it like the, the Psalms are inspired and they do tell the story of how God relates to his people and how his people relate to him. However, I think what the Psalms are, are it's basically prayers that you can sing and genre. It's all about genre. Yeah. And, and I think I'm trying to parse out what I, what I'm trying to think in my, it's, in my no, head, I think, but I think like, if that's the case, then when we take that Jesus taught us how to pray and, you know, he gave us the, the Lord's prayer, then why don't we always just only do the Lord's prayer Yeah, or only just do like the doxologies and the, in the letters mm-hmm. or, you know, Daniel's prayer from, from Daniel nine, like we're allowed to pray just normal. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I mean, that's where, that's why I just, I think it's kind of a logical inconsistency. But I do, I mean, I think a deeper question that you just got at, and this is a little bit off topic, but I think it's good, is what's the genre of the Psalms? Like, why were they written? What was the point of them? And I'm just not convinced that, like, the point of the Psalms was, these are the only songs you're allowed to sing in worship. But they I, were made for singing. But they were made for singing. I'm not, and so, but let's be, let me be clear on what I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing you don't sing the Psalms. Yeah. And I'm not even arguing that that you have to sing things other than the Psalms. I'm only arguing that you don't have to only sing the Psalms. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Because if somebody wants to sing only the Psalms and that's what helps people and I mean, they're in the Bible, like they're good. I'm not saying that they're not good and that, you know, they can't be well done or useful. Uh, Clearly they are. I just think that it ends up being a bit pretentious. I do yeah. think it's it's something that's good to think through, though, which I appreciate you bringing up that question. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's something good to think through just in terms of, like, why do we do worship? Why don't we sing more of the Psalms? You know, like, good question. If part of the rationale Counterpoints. <laughs> If part of the rationale for hymns is, like, let's join together in these songs that the saints have been singing for hundreds of years, mm. why don't we join together in these psalms that the saints have been singing for thousands of years? Mm. Here's, so that's, I mean, to answer your question with a question, um, which is always great. I think this really goes to, like, what do you think the worship service is about? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. traditionally, or at least not traditionally, normally what I see is the rationale behind worship ends up being what kind of tells me what your objectives mm-hmm. for your church are. Um, so if you're singing the top 40, stuff, mostly you're hoping to be attractional and missional. Mm. You're very like hoping to reach out. So you're doing like, you know, the synth stuff, you're doing all sorts of, these people are normally accompanied with lights, mm-hmm. you know, kind of better sound systems, all that fun stuff. And that's normally meant to attract people. Yeah, It's mm. normally a missional sort of thing. And that's good. Like, I'm not crapping on that. That's awesome. Like, be missional. I'm all for missional. On the flip side, 
the you get more sort of I, I hate using the word traditional because it comes off as negative. I'm not trying to be negative. Just not super contemporary services or more high liturgical services or something um, where they sing more hymns. And technically, that's more of an in-house language. It's kind of what I'm going back to, like, how much can you translate? Yeah. This is definitely language. So my, my wife grew up in the PCA. She grew up a Christian. I didn't. And so we had, like, this interesting discussion. She was like, my pastor was kind of talking about, um, you know, how a lot of people can know the rhythm of the hymns, like, when they come on. I'm like, that doesn't happen for me. Like, mm. I sometimes get real confused. She's like, really? Like, I know exactly how the rhythm goes. Like, I just know, like, intuitively. Mm. And so it's a, like a slight disconnect between us, which is I kind of didn't grow up Christian, so I'm still learning the language of Christianity. I'm still getting to know it. Mm. And so how much of that should we teach people or how much of that is not necessary, I guess? And we're kind of running out of time, so that might be a good question just to yeah. leave off on and yeah. kind of as a... Tweet your thoughts at us. Yeah, tweet at us. <laughs> Always Maybe. good to tweet our thoughts. <laughs> Only person that ever tweets at us. Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, wait, Maybe what's your Twitter handle? Like, drop a... Uh, unless you don't want people don't to know remember. what your... Tw- you don't know what your Twitter <laughs> handle is? I think, I think it's hand. just my name, Mamie Rubottom. Can you spell Rubottom? And Mamie. No. And Mamie. Okay, never mind. Uh, yeah, tweet Just us. look at the tweets of the people that have tweeted you guys. Yeah, there that's you true. You'll look find, at our replies. You'll find me there. <laughs> look at our replies. Yes. There's three, and you know, she's one of the three. Uh, yeah, Daniel, what's your Twitter handle? Um, my personal Twitter handle is at Daniel Davalos. Okay. Uh, How do you spell Davalos? D-A-V-A-L-O-S. Thank you. Yes. And what's our... Uh, what's our... What's the uncomfortably what's Christian, the uncomfortably Twitter? Christian Twitter, Twitter handle? handle? Let me just make sure. Let let's me fact check it. While, uh, while <laughs> pulling I it, up. it up, because Da-da. I've been known to say the wrong Twitter it's, handle in the past. It's at uncomfortably x. Uncomfortably x. Yeah. Okay, so just x. Yeah, because okay. Twitter wanted to persecute us, and we couldn't fit Christian <sighs> the, in the Twitter handle. We live in a secular society, Daniel. Can't believe it. Oh, support us at hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to give us money, also tweet there. Um, we're on Facebook, so connect with us on Facebook. Um, we have yeah. a website, which... We do have a website. Danny, you just posted some blogs on there. Yeah, I I'm posted, sorry, yeah, I forgot to plug that. I posted a couple of blogs. blog posts. Um, the one is on how we... Uh, three questions I have for atheists. I just want to... Can I plug that real quick? Yeah. That was one of the most like amazing 500 word posts I've ever read. <laughs> I laughed and I was also like challenged like at the same time. I was like entertained. Are you not entertained? Uh, I was totally entertained and also like challenged. That was amazing. Well, I appreciate it. Was it was a really I mean it was yeah. a really really great post. And so if if you like are only listening to this podcast once you've decided that the podcast is not for you, um please go read that cuz it was great. It really yeah. really was good. And then I have the other blog post is on like just serious stuff, so I don't read it. I haven't read that one yet, so I, I can't <laughs> I can't comment. But I'm sure it's good because everything every every pod, or every uh, post I've seen you write is good. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, thanks for coming, uh, Mamie. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have you back. Um, keep coming up with bomb Twitter or uh, bomb podcast ideas, and we'll have you back. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. Oh, my Twitter handle is at aj underscore aldo a l d o, and then uh, yeah, connect with us. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.